The following has been recorded at Cairn University. Any reproduction of this recording without the express permission of the university is prohibited. Good morning, everybody, and welcome back. So, um, due to unforeseeable circumstances, uh, Dr. Williams uh, couldn't be here. And as Dr. Williams and um, Mr. Kaywood um, kind of connected about today, um, they believed, and I agree with them, that um, a pre-recorded message from Dr. Williams uh, probably would have not been a great way to start because we're all pretty weary of screens and of Zoom and et cetera. So um, on Friday, I got the uh, responsibility, quite the responsibility and privilege uh, to be standing in for Dr. Williams this morning. Um, I could tell you this, that I hadn't, didn't need to exercise this weekend because my heart was racing all weekend once I said yes. <laughs> and um, so it is that, it is a responsibility, but it's a privilege. But, you know, I think always upon further reflection, uh, it's an even greater responsibility, but also a privilege to bring forth the Word of God. And so, um, you know, please, Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable, be pleasing. And I pray that that would, um, the message today would um, help us focus on Jesus. So this semester, the university is launching um, an initiative uh, that the Spiritual Life Committee has been working on for quite a while. It's called One Scripture, One University. Some of you might have already been familiar with it. Um, it's on the screen there. Uh, I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about that because you can get online. I think something happened via Instagram, et cetera. And, um, but the idea is that this is something that goes across the board, undergrad, grad, degree completion, online, uh, around the world. And so when the Spiritual, committee, uh, Spiritual Life Committee had to do this, we, we really were uh, thinking hard about what one thing could we do and what one thing could we do not better than to focus on the Word of God and to do it in this way. So um, I encourage you to go to the website. You'll hear more about this initiative. But I decided um, on Friday through the prompting of the Lord and Dr. Williams, um, but I decided to focus on the same passage that Dr. Williams started off Convocation Chapel with um, last semester, and that's Philippians uh, chapter 2, verses 1 to 11. And instead of um, launching from the perspective of the one and other passages that Dr. Williams is doing, um, I'm going to take a different focus, and what I'd like to uh, do this morning is focus on the mystery of our faith. Christ died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Um, Benjamin, thank you for those songs. Um, not planning for chapel, uh, those, those songs were perfect, and I encourage you to go back and read the words of the first song especially as I was singing it, it just fits so beautifully with what I want to do this morning, which is to turn our eyes upon Jesus and to look full in his wonderful face. Um, if I understand something fully, it's no mystery. If I understand something fully, it's no mystery. And I want to tell you a story, and those of you who have had me in class, believe it or not, it's not a Wisconsin story. Um, but I want to tell you a story about something that happened many years ago, and, and I'm going to do some detail because what I want you to do, if you would, is to the best of your ability, I want you to use your imagination and picture this story because it's part of the impact I, I would hope that I could make through this story. Um, 
So when my wife Dana and I uh, were living in Portland, Oregon, when I was going to grad school, uh, one October evening, we decided to uh, go for a date. The we didn't have a lot of money, so the cheap date was to go for a drive. And so we got in our little uh, Toyota pickup, and we just kind of headed towards the city. And if you know anything about Portland, Oregon, is anybody from Portland, Oregon? Just checking. Okay, anybody from Oregon? Okay, just checking. So, I, because those of you from Portland, you would know this, but um, picture this, the Willamette River runs right through the city, and it's really cool looking because you got the beautiful waterfront, the downtown, and if you know anything about the area, um, when it's not cloudy, majestic, Mount Hood is in the background, it's just such a beautiful city, and you got the river running through it, and there's multiple bridges that go over the city, and over to the downtown area and to the waterfront. And so as we started heading downtown, we decided to jump on the interstate because the interstate also goes through and we went over the interstate bridge, Interstate 5 as it's heading down south towards Salem, Oregon. And we just kept driving and as we're going out of the city, we're heading down, all of a sudden I look in the rearview mirror and I see fireworks. And it's kind of like, well, that's unusual because it's October. And so I said, Dana, I said, there's you know, fireworks going on behind us. And she said, well, let's turn around. And so we turned around real quickly, got back on the interstate, and we're heading back over. And we kept looking as we're getting closer to the city, and we're looking going, where are those fireworks coming from? Because they seem really close. And as we kept driving, we're looking, it's like, this looks like they're coming from the middle of the city. And as we're going over the interstate bridge, here in the middle of the river, there's this big barge, and the fireworks are going off from that barge. And we're lucky enough because as we're going over the interstate bridge, which is one of the highest bridges uh, there, it's like right next to us. And so you can imagine this, uh, Dana, I'll tell it this exactly this way, because it's exactly how it happened. Dana's going, pull over, pull over, pull over. And I'm like, Dana, we're on the interstate. I can't pull over on the interstate, right? And she's going, look at everybody else, right? So we see everybody else pulling over and traffic is stopping on the interstate bridge. And so we pull over, everybody's getting out of their cars and we're watching this beautiful display of fireworks that's going on below us. And it was an amazing sight because as you can kind of picture this, there's, uh, as the fireworks are going off and it's illuminating the city, you can see all the other bridges along the Willamette River in the city of Portland. Doing, people are doing the same thing. They're parked everywhere, they're lined up, the waterfront's all lined up with people, people underneath the bridges, not in the water, but people underneath the bridges, People are hanging out like buildings and they're all looking and we're watching this beautiful display of fireworks. It was quite the fireworks display. I mean, you know, we're from the East Coast, we've seen Philly fireworks, we've seen New York City fireworks, et cetera, and it was a pretty good one. Um, but what happened next was quite unexpected. Now you all knew this, if you've seen fireworks display, the finale comes, you can kind of tell when the finale's coming. I mean, if you don't have a lot of money, it comes quickly. If you have a lot of money, it extends, right? So. Um, the finale's coming. And you know how when the finale goes, you know, we're ooing and aahing and people are clapping and like, yeah, you know, woo and all that sort of thing. And you know, it's pretty cool. And you know how that feeling is? It's like you can just kind of tell the decrescendo. It's like, okay, we think this is gonna be over with. But what happened next was unbelievable. All of a sudden, I'm telling you, whoever was the maestro who put this display on, they deserve a doctorate in fireworks displays. Because the next thing you know, all of a sudden, the finale is decrescendo, and all of a sudden, all heaven breaks loose. You can just hear it from the bar, just going 
that just keeps going up like crazy, right? And the thing is, we're just like, whoa. And not just, you know, the bursts of color, but the big boomers, you know, the ones that rock your body, you know, the ones that you can just hear and you feel it in your body. I don't know how much they spent on it, but it was unbelievable. They're just sending them up. I am not exaggerating. We're sitting there like in awe. It was breathtaking. Literally, our bodies are rocking. And I could tell you this, because we're on the interstate bridge. All of a sudden, it's like everything's lit up. You see people all over the bridges. You can, you can just smell the gunpowder. We felt the cinders actually coming on us. And it's just like our bodies are being rocked. It was an incredible display of power. And at one point, we were beside ourselves, just like, oh my goodness, we can't take this anymore. And then it was over. And no kidding, there was this, it was just like a movie. There was this one moment of silence, and then explosion of people shouting, screaming, hooting, hollering, whistling, all across the bridges, we, we're standing with a crowd of people who were strangers, and all of a sudden we become like instant companions in this moment. We're looking at each other, strangers going, wasn't that incredible? Unbel ah! And we're just losing it everywhere. You know, all I can describe is like, if any reservation, we lost all reservation. And I can only describe it as this, it was unhindered joy. It was unhindered joy. And even on, the, even on the ride back, Dane and I were in our little Honda, uh, in our, our Toyota pickup, we're in our little Honda pickup, and we're driving, and we were kind of basking in that moment, and every now and then we would just look at each other and go, that was amazing! That was amazing! And we just, it was like, we were just full of it. You got that picture in your mind, all of it. So I want you to put that picture in your mind, and I want you to put it in a video. And as you put it in the video, I want you to see it unfolding, now hit the stop button and put it all in reverse. I want you to put that all in reverse. I want you to visualize all that power, beauty, wonder, majesty going into a little fireworks tube that looks something like this, something like that. Think about that. The incarnation is kind of like fireworks in reverse. And when you think about that, only on a scale that we can never absolutely wrap our minds around. It is a mystery. Now, physics and chemistry can tell us a lot about gunpowder and packing it tightly and fuses, and I'm no chemistry major or physics major, but we can understand that. We can understand that. We can understand you could pack all that stuff back into this and the display, but we'll never fully understand the majesty and mystery of the incarnation. If I fully understand something, it's no mystery. And so let this sink into our hearts and minds. See it afresh, see it anew. It's not just at Christmas, it's after Christmas, but see it anew on a dark, star-filled night in a little town in the Middle East. The God whom this universe cannot hold was held that night in the small, loving hands of a young woman. That's a mystery, and the majesty of that should never, ever, ever leave us, ever. The God whom this universe cannot hold was held that night. Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, Philippians chapter 2, 
did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. Frederick Beekner has this great quote about mystery that I'm putting in my own words, but there are mysteries which you can solve um, by following the clues, the signs, the facts, etc. You know, you kind of work your way like to the truth of the mystery, and then you look at it like a murder mystery. You solve it. There's, the truth is unfolded, and you say, ah, the butler did it, right? So, but there are other mysteries that where you follow the clues, the signs, the facts, and when all of a sudden you see the truth, you stand in awe because the truth itself is the mystery. The truth itself is a mystery. Madeline LaEngle put this in one of my favorite quotes. In a time when scientific knowledge is seen as reigning supreme and leaves no room for other kinds of knowledge, mystery which leads to wonder is often seen as superstition. May God rescue us from a life in which the wonder has leaked out. May God rescue us from a life in which all the wonder has leaked out. Now, while God becoming human is a truth that is a mystery, the reason God becomes man is a truth that we can fully know. Philippians 2.8, Jesus humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Full of bliss and a beloved hymn, put it this way, man of sorrows, what a name, for the son of God who came, ruined sinners to reclaim, hallelujah, what a savior. Think about that first line. Think about the power and majesty of that fireworks display. And then think about that line, man of sorrows, what a name for the almighty, everlasting God-man of beauty, of wonder, of joy, of laughter. But he becomes a man of sorrows for us. And we sang about that in those two songs that Dr. Harding led us in. And so God writes himself into the storyline of human history because all we like sheep have gone astray and we've turned to our own way. And we're separated from our good and loving creator who wants to bring us back into the fold. We need rescuing, whether we realize it or not, whether people realize it or not, we need rescuing from ourselves. And we can't rescue ourselves. And brothers and sisters, we're not rescued just from hell. It's not just about that. We are rescued and taken back into a loving relationship with the God who made us. You see, just at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his great love for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Bearing shame and scoffing rude, in my place condemned he stood. He sealed my pardon with his blood. Guilty, vile, and helpless we, spotless lamb of God was he, full atonement, can it be? Hallelujah, what a savior. Amen. 
But the death of Jesus is not the end of the story. Philippians 2, 9 through 11. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Lifted up was he to die. It is finished, was his cry. Now in heaven, exalted high. Hallelujah. What a Savior. The fact that Jesus is now King and Lord of all creation is the basis of our Christian hope, is it not? So Christian hope is not wishful thinking. It's not, ah, gee, I hope so. Like, I hope we can get, finally get rid of these masks. But it's based on the historical resurrection of Jesus. Peter put it this way, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. Jesus, King and Lord over all creation. Abraham Kuyper put it this way, there is not a square inch in the whole domain in our human existence which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, mine. It's mine. But I will admit that when we look at our world today, it's easy to get discouraged and doubt. In one of the songs that's sung, it's not so, it's, it is true that Satan does tempt us about our guilt. There's no question. But also Satan tempts us towards discouragement and doubt when we look at the events that are going on in our lives. 2020 was a challenging year. We all know that the events of 2020 last week was a challenge to Christ being Lord over all creation. It's easy to get discouraged and doubt. It doesn't look like God's will is being done on earth as it's being done in heaven. And at Christmas time, I sure can identify with um, a song by Henry Longfellow when he wrote, in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks my song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. You know, Peter spoke to a similar situation in his day in 2 Peter chapter 3. And when he's writing to the believers, he's saying, okay, you know, scoffers will come and they will say, where's the promise of his coming? Where's the promises? Everything is going on just like it has always gone on. There is no intervention of God into human history. Where are the promises? And Peter says this, well, wait a minute, they forget one, same, one thing, that God has broken into human history by his word, and he talks about the earth being deluged in the flood, but then, by this same word, the heavens and earth will experience that purging. It will be that fire that will come, and Jesus will come. But what does Peter say? The Lord, it, the Lord doesn't keep time like we keep time. A thousand years is like a day, is day, a day is like a thousand years. So what is it? The Lord is slow in keeping his promise because he's patient with us, not wanting anyone to perish but for all to come to repentance. And so, brothers and sisters, since all things will happen in this way, what kind of people ought we to be as we await the coming of our Lord and Savior? 
Peter says we are to be holy and blameless. We're to be doing our jobs as we await for the new heavens and the new earth. The promise is there. And it's because of these truths then, when we focus on these truths, when we look away from what bludgeons us on news feeds, everywhere, what's going on around the world, when we look at the physical bludgeoning us, we have to be able to go deep within. We go to scripture in our time with Jesus, and we have to come back to these truths, then peel the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor does he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail, with peace on earth, goodwill to men. As challenging as it is at times, we're encouraged not to lose heart. Oh, let us ne'er forget, though the wrong oft seems so strong, God is the ruler yet. This is our Father's world. The battle is not done. Jesus who died will be satisfied, and heaven and earth will be one. Every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. So if there is one challenge in this message, it's the challenge of following in the pattern of Jesus. We are called to be humble servants in the pattern of Jesus. First servanthood, first sacrifice, first humility, and then exaltation, then the crown. And we do what we can in the world while we're waiting with this living hope. We're doing what we can in this world to make things right in the power of the Spirit, justice, righteousness, and we're called to serve. Peter said it this way. Listen carefully. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. Did you notice how many times he used the word you? Um, our English comp people would say, don't do that, Peter. To this we were called because Christ suffered for us leaving us an example that we should follow in his steps. I think Peter's trying to get across a point. That's our calling. We're not here, I hope you're not here at Cairn just to prep for when you graduate. I hope that we can all create a beautiful ethos of serving one another every day. Professors serving students, faculty serving professors, faculty serving students, staff serving each other, staff serving students, students serving students. Can we create that kind of God's will being done on earth here in our university? So we know that a day is coming when Jesus will once again break into the storyline of human history. We will see him in all his majesty, power, and glory. He will make all things new. You're familiar, I hope, with the picture that John in Revelation, when he had his vision, he's looking at this unfurled, the flesh peeled back, and what's he see? He sees eyes like fire, right? On his, on, he's on a white horse. His eyes are blazing fire. His head has many crowns. The robe is dipped in blood. There's a sword coming out of his mouth. I mean, John has this vision, and he's just going, how do I explain this? How do I write this? And on his robe and on his thigh is written this, King of kings and Lord of lords. No longer a man of sorrows, but instead, when he comes, our glorious king, and all his ransomed home to bring. 
And when Jesus is seen outside of the earthen container, when his glory and majesty are on full display, when the fireworks fly again, in all their power and beauty and majesty and splendor and awesomeness, we will lose all reservation. And we will let loose an unhindered joy. And then anew this song we will sing, won't we? Hallelujah. What a Savior. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, I pray that you do rescue us from a life where all the wonder has leaked out. As we look upon you, may we see you with new eyes in this new year. Lord, strengthen us against um, the discouragement we may feel when the wrong seems off so strong. Strengthen us in the inner man and inner woman for the living hope that we live by. And may we serve you. May we understand our true calling as your servants. Work that work within us to be those kind of servants that are worthy of your calling. We pray in your name. Amen. Amen. You're dismissed. <laughs>